Welcome to the True Condos Podcast with Andrew LaFleur, the place to get the truth on the Toronto condo market and condo investing in Toronto. Hello and welcome back to the show. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your support. Uh, Today on the show, we're going to be interviewing Matt Kingston. Matt's the VP of Land Development over at Minto. And we're going to be mostly talking on that interview about Minto West Side, which is a really cool new project coming up at Front and Bathurst. But before we get to that interview, just wanted to, again, talk about something that's in the news. But actually, uh, in this case, uh, this has not really made the news yet, but certainly it will if this trend continues. We're seeing a major new trend, something really big that we haven't seen before in the Toronto condo market. And that is major institutional um, investors, developers, buyers coming in and purchasing out entire condo buildings all in one shot. Um, And so there's three examples of that I want to give to you that has happened very recently. Sort of set the table for, you know, just what I want to talk about. But uh, the first is that Greenland was was a Chinese developer and they've come in and they purchased the King Blue condo development the entire project just boom one shot here you know a few hundred million or whatever it is and we're buying the entire thing and so they're now marketing that uh, project under uh, under their uh, own name it's their first project uh, in Canada they're a major developer they've got huge huge buildings and sites all over the world the second example of what I'm talking about is just actually very very uh, hot off the presses just in the past few days um, there was a project called the Selby Condos uh, by Citizen um, and Diamond Corp over at uh, Sherborne and Bloor. And that project recently had a uh, sales event. They reportedly sold about 200 units at this uh, sales event. And then subsequently the purchasers were informed that all those deals were um, null and void because the developer had decided to sell the entire building to a private equity group, um, apparently out of the U.S. So, uh, again, the details on this are are very limited at this point, but it is confirmed that the entire building, the Selby Condos, was purchased by a private equity group. Uh, That's 562 units, and presumably they're going to be doing uh, a rental building there, uh, in conjunction, I guess, in some way with uh, with the developer or the developer's building it for them. I'm not sure, but it's a major, major play that's happened there. The third example is um, something that's completely unconfirmed, more of a rumor than anything, but it sounds like it's from a reliable source, from what I've heard. And that is, a, there's some kind of a Chinese investor group that's looking to make a significant. Uh, uh, purchase within a uh, major Toronto project uh, somewhere in the 30 to 40 million dollar range and again looking to to uh, do a rental play there so huge institutions huge money coming into Toronto swooping in and purchasing out you know entire buildings or huge chunks of buildings uh, all at one time so what exactly is going on here is this a good thing for the market is this a bad thing for the market uh, I'm not really here to answer that question right now. I don't know. Uh, certainly, there will be a lot of discussion about this over the months to come. If this continues, then how will this affect our market? Um, you know, what will it make of the individual um, purchasers? 
And uh, ultimately, you know, what, what does it mean for the future of the Toronto condo market and future of real estate in our city uh, that this is starting to happen? Well, again, I don't have answers to all these questions, but I do want to make three quick points on this if, if you uh, wouldn't mind just indulging me here. The first is that the secret is out on Toronto. And what, am I, what I mean by that is that, um, that uh, you know, the, the great returns that we've been enjoying as condo investors for a very long time here, purchasing units and renting them out, enjoying our strong rental market, taking advantage of the immigration um, and the demand for people to live downtown in particular, uh, the secret is out. People around the world have taken notice and they want a piece of this action uh, again, Toronto is a very unique city in the global scene. Uh, we shouldn't take it for granted. Uh, and certainly the world is really starting to take notice of what's happening in Toronto here. The second thing is that your window of opportunity uh, is closing. Well, I'll put, a bra- I'll put a caveat on that. Maybe. I don't know. I can't predict the future. But certainly if uh, there, there's a case to be made that if these big institutions are coming in and buying up entire buildings... Um, there, there's certainly a, a potential case to be made that, you know, prices are going to be on their way up significantly in the years ahead. Um, that, uh, if, if institutions become, become, you know, start taking over the market on a large scale like that, it may become more, much more difficult for the individual purchaser and the individual investor to, you know, to get good deals and to get into projects, um, and uh, keep enjoying the returns that we have been enjoying as prices uh, perhaps begin to to become out of reach for people. Uh, so the opportunity you know that that we've had and been, we've been enjoying for the last number of years, uh, it things may be changing. So again, the case of these people at the Selby, they thought they were getting a, a great deal and a good opportunity to get into uh, a condo investment there, only to be told that, you know, a major institutions come in and, and um, you know, and uh, purchase the entire building out from under them. So they're going to have to try to find somewhere else to invest that money. So it's becoming a much more competitive environment, even for uh, as a buyer. That's the second point. So the third point would be that, again, I've said this on previous podcasts, I believe, but people that are way smarter than you and me are betting on Toronto, and specifically they're betting on the downtown core and the rental market here. And so these billion-dollar, multi-billion-dollar institutions representing, you know, just billions and billions of, of uh, capital, they're looking to deploy and to invest. They can go anywhere in the world. They are choosing Toronto. They are choosing the Toronto condo market. And again, it goes to the fact that people who are saying the condo market is... is uh, a bubble or things are going to crash or it doesn't make sense to invest in condos. Well, basically they're all claiming that they are smarter than uh, these billion dollar uh, institutions who are coming in and purchasing entire buildings. So take it for, for what it is. But in, in my mind, that is complete validation that what we're doing here is a very smart investment. Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed that little uh, that little piece there from me. And uh, like I said, you'll be hearing more about these, this trend. I think it will probably hit the mainstream media soon and watch for articles and things about this. It's a very interesting trend that we are seeing, but you heard it here first on the True Condos podcast. So without further ado, let's get to my interview with 
Matt Kingston of Minto. Welcome to the True Condos Podcast with Andrew LaFleur, the place to get the truth on the Toronto condo market and condo investing in Toronto. It's my pleasure to welcome to the show Matt Kingston. Matt is the VP of Land Development for Canada for Minto Developments. Welcome to the show, Matt. Thank you. Uh, Matt, love to uh, chat with you today. Looking forward to this conversation. Uh, I'm really excited about the project Minto West Side, of course. We'll get to that. But before we do, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in real estate? I, I really kind of lucked into real estate. I had a, a few friends that uh, were working in the industry. And when I got back from, from studying, uh, one of them got me an internship with a, with a developer here and uh, really fell in love with it really quickly, even though it was not really what I had studied in school. And uh, obviously- so, what did you what did you study in school? Like, what is your background before before real estate? Take us back there. Economics and law. Okay. Yeah. Things that really I don't think serve you very well in our world, but um, was was lucky enough to to get in with a really great developer. And then Toronto is just a, an amazingly exciting place to be working in this field. Absolutely. Um, and so have you been with Minto all along? Have you worked with other developers as well? Or what, what's your career sort of look like so far? So this is the, the third company I've been working at. And, and uh, Minto, I've been here just under four years, uh, working on a couple projects in the downtown as well as um, a few projects in our, our uh, Oakville uh, portfolio as well. Okay. And as, so what's your, sort of the main role that you, you do as VP of land development? What does that mean exactly? It's... Uh, it's basically for our company. We have uh, we, we're lucky enough to be in a few different markets across Canada. One of the things we have to or we try to do is to deliver the same kind of experience to customers in all of those markets, and to to really kind of push for what we feel is important and what differentiates us as a builder. So my role is one where um, I work with the the individual people in, in the different municipalities who have the day to day relationships to ensure that there's kind of a, a standard level of quality and uh, expectation setting done by each of them. Okay, great. Um, why don't we talk about, you know, I always like to ask people uh, in the industry, like what their take is on the, the question that everybody wants to hear. Is there a condo bubble in Toronto? Um, what's your, what's your take on that whole discussion? <laughs> I, I think, I think everybody has a, uh, a different opinion on that, but um, right now, there is a huge amount of influx of people coming to our city, which I think everybody sees in terms of immigration, but there's also this this real change and shift in people's thinking about where they want to live and how they want to live. And I know, you know, I'm a, I'm a cusper right between millennials and Gen Xers, and a lot of my friends have made the choice not to move to the 905 and out of the 416 to get more space. They've cognizantly said, I want to live downtown. I'm going to live in a little more smartly designed space and a little less space in order to have a better lifestyle. And a lot of that means, uh, a lot of that's translated in people living in, in condos downtown where they would have typically bought a, you know, a single family home in, in Burlington or something. So it's, it's really, um, it's really amazing how fast that change has come. And I think that um, it's obviously directly related to the supply and the fact that we're not going to have many more houses built in the GTA or the pace of that is going to be a lot slower than what it was over the last 30, 40 years. Now, I know um, Minto does a lot of, you know, it's a, you're, you guys are a massive builder where you do low-rise and high-rise uh, across the country, even in, you're in, you're in the U.S. markets as well, right? That's correct. We have a, a Florida operation. Yeah. So, 
Um, how do you see the low rise and the high rise markets kind of interacting with each other or, or are they related? Or are they not? Um, obviously we've seen low rise, you know, detached housing prices, particularly just skyrocket, uh, in the GTA condo prices have, you know, just been creeping along, uh, increasing at a slower pace, but still increasing. Um, what's, what do you see in terms of the high rise versus low rise market? I think there's never time in our lives that we'll see where there's not a market for a single family home. Uh, but it's just the question of what will that price be? So I, I think definitely people's expectations of what they see and their, their aspirations always kind of align to that single family home. Um, but it's sort of the, the reality of what we can afford and, and, you know, how much we want to conspicuously consume uh, that leads us to, to the reality of what we, we end up living in. So there's definitely a relationship between the two and between low rise and high rise. And I think, um, we're we're living in a we're seeing a big shift to living to, to wanting to live closer to the downtown in Toronto specifically, but in those areas like Oakville, Burlington, Oshawa, Stouffville, et cetera, around the GTA where we're building and looking at sites, there still is a market. Um, we're seeing it change. We're starting to see a little more uh, really well planned development with a little more density in uh, more centralized locations. I still think high rise in the suburban area is a little tougher. You do see it in some specific markets like Markham and Mississauga and Vaughan, but uh, um, definitely there will always be a market for low rise housing. But people I think increasingly are looking at alternative forms of transit. They're looking at wanting to, to live in, in a neighborhood and have that ability to walk to get things. Um, even in the 905. So uh, the condo market, I, I think, is here to stay. I don't think it's something that's going to fade away. And uh, yeah, I think, you, but the same is true of single family. People are still willing to make that trade off to get more space as well. So yeah, so we're, we're not going to, we're never going to see the end of suburbia or the end of the, the single family home anytime soon. I definitely agree with that. Um, let's talk, let's shift gears, talk about Talk about Minto itself uh, as a developer, as a company. Um, what makes Minto unique or what makes them a good developer to invest with? If you're, if we're talking to condo investors, if condo investors listening right now, maybe they don't, aren't familiar with Minto or they haven't bought with them before. What sort of makes Minto unique? Personally, you know, when I was looking for a place to work or having had worked at different places in the past, one one thing that was uh, struck me right away was was our commitment to actually being a green builder. And there is a lot of greenwashing out there in terms of seeing some builders advertise themselves or um, or position themselves to say that they're they're seeking lead certification as an example versus actually lead certifying a building. And you know we have an we have an actual green team. We have lead APs that we have on staff and and these people, it's their it's their job and it's their passion. Um, to actually make that real. And, and that's really refreshing, I think, in our industry. Um, and what that translates to as someone who buys from us is, is a confidence that when you get your home or your new condo, you're buying into something where the technology is cutting edge. And when, when you move in, it's not something that's already stale dated and irrelevant. So it's an amazing thing, I think, in terms of, you know, we've all heard the stories of condo fees in Toronto going up by huge amounts of money once you move in. Um, there's a few really good examples of, of Minto projects like Minto Midtown, which is a, quite a large development um, and could be one where you'd see those astronomical prices relative to the fact that there's these huge gyms and swimming pools and all these other features. 
and they're still um, they haven't gone up more than five percent since the time that those registered, you know, roughly six years ago. So wow, wow, it's a really impressive story about those types of things, and that mm-hmm. you know the largest lead gold certified building in North America right now. Wow. Largest, largest in terms of number of units or largest in terms of uh, square footage? Wow, okay. Yeah. And there's, you know, th- that to me was a really amazing thing. And then we, we just have, there's a real passion for, for innovation with Minto. And it's stuff that people don't really see, like integrated HRV fan coil units, um, in-slab ductwork, meaning that you don't have bulkheads in your unit, in-slab sprinkling, which we introduced at 30 Row as, as the first project in Toronto to have them. We, we search for these products in Europe, in the States, um, and we, we don't mind being the first one to bring them here and actually get them approved, bring them through the process of approval with the province uh, as may be required, and actually um, do them because we think they're the right thing to do for customers. So it's, it's, really, um, it's really energizing to work for a company that actually does that kind of thing. That's great. Can you... Break it down, sir. You mentioned a couple things there. Um, I don't know if there's other things as well you want to talk about, but specifically, uh, you mentioned the uh, HRV units and the in-slab work. So let's talk. Let's break. Explain what you mean by those two things a little bit more, because those are the kind of details I think the average, certainly the average investor who maybe never even steps into the units that they're buying, uh, maybe doesn't appreciate. But even end users who are moving into the suites themselves. Uh, they, they don't know that these are things to look for and, and things that maybe separate the uh, a top builder like Minto from, you know, just a, a, an everyday sort of builder who, who's not paying attention to these sorts of details. So can you break down let's, HRV? What, what is that and why should we care? An HRV or an ERV unit, it's a heat recovery ventilation system. And what that does is it actually... It pulls heat off of off of pipes running through your your apartment, so that you're not wasting radiant heat. And and it does it, it does a couple things by using the system we use. You're actually getting fresh air uh, brought into your suite from the outside. Uh, you're not getting your fresh air from your hallway, which actually comes up through your garage. Uh, so that's it's it, in terms of air quality, it's a it's a huge improvement for everybody. And then in terms of energy usage, it also is a much more efficient system that gets used. So you're basically you're saving money and you're having a better quality of life by using a system like that. And that's just something that Minto roughly about 10 years ago brought into Canada. It was something that wasn't being used here yet. And it was wow. a huge cost premium to do that, but that was something we felt was needed. And it was kind of ahead of the LEED certification program. Well, I did, I did not know that. So Minto was the first builder to bring bring in the, that, that system. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty, it, we were, and then in Canada, in Canada, sure. Used elsewhere, but not not here yet. Yeah. In terms of in-slab ductwork or eco-duct, it, it just means, you know, the bulkheads that we all see in everybody's unit when you walk through a condo, um, it's due to the fact that you have a concrete slab as a ceiling. So it's it's tough to, you have to run beneath it with your with your ductwork. But um, again, at a cost premium to, to deliver something that looks better, we'll actually run that ductwork in the concrete slab. So you don't end up with a ton of bulkheads in your unit. There are some things you cannot run in the slab, but what we'll do is anything that you're allowed to do by code that your structural engineer and your mechanical engineer would, would assign and approve, we actually put those things in the slab uh, wherever possible in order to just give you a more uh, generous headroom in your unit and less bulkheads. That's great, yeah, because we've all had 
Well, any any seasoned uh, condo buyer investors had those moments where you walk into the unit you bought and you see these bulkheads everywhere that you were not, you know, again, when you're buying a floor plan or you're buying a model suite where they don't even have, you know, they don't even have ceilings in many cases. <laughs> uh, and you walk into the unit, you say, well, there's bulkheads everywhere. Where's my, where's my nine foot? Where's my 10 foot ceiling? Oh, well, it's just this little section here uh, in your living room, but most of it's all bulkheads. Absolutely. And that's a very common story, right? It's the same as condo fees being raised over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I know, uh, I know that you're passionate also about even details in, in buildings, something as simple as, you know, number of elevators. Can you speak about that? Absolutely. So we're, you know, we, in Toronto, you do have elevator consultants and every, every developer uses them. Um, they make recommendations. And their recommendations are usually based on a wait time. You know, it's, it's appropriate that no one should wait more than a minute for an elevator. So we, we personally, we wait for those recommendations just like everybody else and we go through that process and, and that's a cost that everybody has. But once they're done, we just, we a lot of times disagree and actually increase the amount of elevator service because we feel it's not appropriate to do just the minimum with those types of things. Um, we really do care about the ultimate livability and how how you're gonna how you're gonna live there, what it's gonna be like when you're living there, mm-hmm. and uh, it's something where we take it very seriously. A, a lot of Minto employees live in Minto buildings, so it's something very front of mind for us, and uh, it's something that we try to go over and above the kind of lowest common denominator or, or standard. Right. Yeah. Because we we have seen. Uh... You know, that has been one of the criticisms of some people about some condo buildings, you know, in terms of the condo boom that we've been experiencing. And uh, are these buildings just being slapped up, you know, at the lowest common denominator, uh, you know, massive buildings with, with uh, you know, insufficient number of elevators being used. But obviously that's, again, something that Minto is like, whatever the minimum is, well, we want to do better than that, it sounds like. We, we, we want to... We think that our product, like we, we believe that we're a value-add builder. That's how we would define it ourselves. Um, we think we can do those things, those details better, and actually pay attention and, and think about how people will live ultimately and, and give them a better quality of life, give them better experience, um, and, and give them better design. So ultimately, that's what we try to do. That's where we think we differentiate ourselves in the market. Great. Let's talk about Minto West Side, of course, the, the latest project um, that I mentioned earlier in the interview. Very excited about the building. I know a lot of my clients are as well. Um, what can you tell us about this building? I know it's been your baby for uh, for a while, so I know you're passionate about the building. So what can you tell us about Minto West Side and what are you most excited about this building? I, I think um, I think it's an exceptional project. Like, I, And it's hard not to be biased because, as you said, it is my baby. But um, I think our team has really pulled off something special here. And, and there have been a lot of launches lately and a lot of new projects in the city. And I know that people really like to look at location. And one of the key drivers is, is a transit score or the ability to be on a subway location. And for me being someone who's from Toronto, uh, who was born here and, and grew up here and got to see an exceptional amount of change in the city over the last kind of 35, 40 years, I, this particular project to me is exceptional because of where you're situated. You're in an actual neighborhood and you're in a place where people want to live, want to play. So that that buzzword of live work 
it really rings true here. Like this is really a place where um, you can live and work and play all in one place. And I know people throw that in their marketing, but it's really true here. And in terms of the, the design of it, I think it's, it really is kind of a standout design. It, it's, a, it's a striking building and it will, you know, in terms of what it looks like, it will stand out from the crowd ultimately. And I think it's going to be a place when it's fully done that's going to be pretty special and, and recognizable on the Toronto skyline. What are some of your favorite? I know it's it's a it's a massive project, a lot of amenities and features in the building. Um, the suite finishes are are very nice. But what you know, what are some? What's the highlight of the building for you in terms of uh, the features of the building or the amenities in the building? I think there's a, there's a couple things that set it apart. Like we we wanted to deliver a gym here that was one where you know you didn't need a, a good life membership anymore. So we levered the fact that you've got you do have such a large project. So we we've delivered a gym here that is is just as good as you would get at any other like place you would pay to actually go work out. So I think that's that was something key to me given who I know is going to end up living here in terms of the demographic and um the rooftop pool to me is is a pretty special thing because uh it, it's it's just as sexy as any other rooftop pool or more so that you'll find in the city but it's really your private pool. So it doesn't have that uh, connotation where you're going to have people from the outside kind of trashing the place or whatever. It, it's um, it's a pretty special private experience up on the roof, being able to look at the Toronto skyline, see the lake, you know, and enjoy that enjoy that view for forever. And the uh, overall, like the the fact that it's going to have a grocery store at grade, the fact that there is going to be a hotel integrated into the development. Again, just the size and scope of this gives things to to the end user here, like the person who's going to live here, that are pretty exceptional, especially in the King West context. Great. Now you you, you just took my thunder a bit there, but I wanted to ask you about the uh, the grocery store and the hotel because there's a lot of different rumors and people talking about different things on the internet and and different. Uh, websites out there about what is or is not coming into this building. Um, I don't know if you can give us any special scoops today here, but uh, what can you tell us about the, you know, the the rumors of a, well, some people are saying it's going to be a Whole Foods in the building, uh, four-star boutique hotel. These are the things that people are talking about. I know nothing's obviously confirmed yet, but what can you tell us about the those two things and sort of the progress of, uh, you know, whatever negotiations might be ongoing behind the scenes there? Absolutely. So we uh, we have fifty five thousand square feet of retail at grade on this on this project, which is that's a huge amount of space. I mean, a, a typical Loblaws uh, or a, a Whole Foods or a Longos or a Sobeys, any one of these major grocery stores, runs about thirty five thousand to forty thousand square feet. So. Uh, in a typical kind of store, so you can imagine this is—it's even bigger than that would be. It's about 125% bigger than that. So there will be a grocery store on the ground floor. We are dealing with four major grocery retailers right now. Um, it's all about timing. So we—we we haven't got anything I can give you. I wish I could give you the—the the absolute. I can guarantee there will be a grocery store um, that will happen on the ground floor. Who it will be, again, just depends on timing. Um, in terms of in terms of the hotel, uh, again we've got a we are kind of in the short strokes right now with a four star hotel operator um, who's actually building uh, another site right now in Toronto under a different kind of brand. But they uh, they love the neighborhood. Um, obviously, the success of the Thompson Hotel 
is something that they're looking at closely. And uh, it just speaks to me to, to how, uh, how much confidence there is in the livability of this neighborhood and, and just the, in general, the kind of cool factor of what's here. So there will be, at this point, I can't say 100%, but it looks like there will be a, a hotel at the northwest corner of this site fronting on Niagara at Bathurst. That's great. Well, there you go. That's more information than we've uh, got anywhere else. So appreciate that. Um, and uh, some people look at a hotel in the building as a positive. Some people look at it as a negative um, because of the experience of, of other um, hotel condominiums in the city. What can you say? Let's, let's assume there is going to be a hotel in the building. Um, what would you say to somebody looking at buying into the building about if there's a hotel... Uh, you know how it, how it would look operate and how it would affect you as an owner a positive negative way what what do you say about that absolutely so we're you know i did mention you know we do care about how things are going to look and feel uh, ultimately so when we designed this project we actually designed four unique lobbies one at each corner of the property so in terms of that that pedestrian or first experience when you when you step out of a cab or you arrive at the doorstep, each building has its own lobby. Wow. Which Four lobbies. Yeah. Four lobbies. That's incredible. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. So each one will have its own distinct, both from an elevator service. So in terms of, um, you know, how much, how you're going to enter the building, the, how that'll look and feel, that, that welcome home. And then the, the ability to actually have, you know, a much more convenient elevator system. So we, we do have those four unique lobbies and the hotel will have its own, which is going to be, I, I believe in the last iteration we were running, just over 3,000 square foot or 4,000 square foot on the ground floor. And so it will be separate. So anybody visiting the hotel, it's not as if they will be coming through your lobby. And in fact, it's at least 100 meters away from your entrance. So it, it does feel very separate and distinct. Um, and, yeah, it's just funny. Sorry, just interrupt, Matt. Like when you say 100 meters away, Again, it just keeps striking me the size and scale of this project. Many people don't understand how unique of a project it is when you say things like 55,000 square feet of retail uh, 100 meters away. You know, it's just uh, it's such a rare opportunity to be able to, uh, as a builder, but also as an investor, to, to take part in a site like this that's really going to be very unique just from a sheer size and massing perspective, isn't it? And absolutely. And that would be unique even if we were in Liberty Village or, yeah. or up at Young and Shepherd or but in a, in a King West context, there is nothing like this. Nothing. There never will be. No. It, it's pretty it's pretty exciting to me in the sense that, you know, what you're getting as a result of that, all the benefits from that, um, it's pretty special to have that and be in King West, which is known for its more boutique, small, well designed, you know, and, and high priced units. And this is it has those benefits, but it also has those things you would come to expect from these large-scale developments on more peripheral areas that aren't as uh, as attractive from a neighborhood perspective as this would be. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, going back to the hotel, sorry to interrupt you there. Um, getting, getting more specific, I assume will the hotel be integrated with the condominium or will it be really it's, will it be separate? It's very much separate. So from the lobby up, it is a separate uh, completely separate. Like you, you don't have common corridors with it. You don't have shared amenities with it. You don't have a shared lobby. It has its own elevators. It's completely unique and independent. Uh, aesthetically, it will it will blend seamlessly into the rest of the building. So you won't you won't see it as a as an uh, something that's a detractor to the aesthetic of the project. 
people won't know that it's it's um, sorry it won't it won't look in a negative way it'll it'll really complement the rest and then from an actual livability perspective it's it won't we're we're designing it in such a way to be cognizant of the fact that we don't want that to impact people's lifestyles or people's quiet enjoyment of things and from a financial perspective it sounds like it's also a separate entity that's correct so it, it, they'll uh, in terms of sh- cost sharing and amenity sharing and, and condo fees being affected by what's going on in the hotel. You do have, you have, uh, in terms of the garage, there will be a shared facilities agreement. So they'll pay their right. share of the garage parking that they use or the ramps or the, uh, you know, common corridor things. But it is, it is a unique financial entity that will pay their fair share um, and won't burden or unfairly burden, I should, you know, like the other uses in the site, the other residential uses. Right, right. And and what you said earlier, I think, is an important point, uh, that anybody staying at the hotel will not have access. If the hotel's coming in, they're not going to have access to the amenities, the pool and things for the that are just strictly for the condominium residents. Absolutely. But if you wanted to go to the Thompson to the rooftop, as anybody can do, you can go there. Right, right. right. Yeah. Good. Good. Um, that's great. Well, I'm actually more excited about the project than I was before because uh, you told me I learned some new things here. But um, your own, uh, what are you sort of your own investment tips or strategies? Do you have any uh, advice for the condo investor out there um, in general? I know you've purchased properties and things yourself. Like what, um, what do you say somebody should look for in an investment if they're looking to to buy? Location, location, location. So I, 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 you know, there's no magic, I think, to real estate. In this particular instance, I think in Toronto right now, investors are extremely savvy. Um, they're extremely well-read, well-traveled, you know, like in terms of the Toronto market, they've, they've seen the different sites, they know the different markets, they know the different neighborhoods. I think you want to find a neighborhood that's livable. I think you want to find one that has some character to it and, and be in a location where you know there's strong demand for rental if that's what you're looking to do um, and be cash flow positive, right? So it, there's no magic to it really. I think you want to um, find that thing that, that makes it a positive cash flow and it's in a neighborhood that you know people aspire to be in. Good advice. Would not disagree. <laughs> stick, stick to the fundamental. Sometimes people make it a little bit too complicated, but that's, there's really not much more to it than that. Um, thank you very much for your time today, Matt. Really appreciate it. Uh, if people, if people want to find you um, online, or what's the best way for people to to reach you? I am on LinkedIn. If people want to to find me and, and reach out to me, absolutely, they can do it through that venue. And there's uh, there's the ability to uh, email me as well at mkingston at minto Great. Well, thank you very much, Matt. Appreciate your time again, and uh, maybe we'll have you on the podcast again soon. Awesome. Sounds good. Thanks so much, Andrew. Bye for now. Take care. Okay, there you have it. That was my interview with Matt Kingston from Minto, VP Land Development. Hope you enjoyed that. Um, Just in summary, uh, I think you hopefully got some great stuff uh, about what to look for in a building, you know, the, the details that really matter, the things that separate the top developers from the uh, not-so-good developers. And um, I think Minto West Side is really a very unique project, as, as, uh, as we talked about. Just the footprint of the project alone makes for such a unique um, retail space at the base, such unique amenities, um, just such a massive, exciting, great project.
right in at the corner of Front and Bathurst in a great area. It's really what I like to say. It's like the millennials' dream building. So the millennial generation, really the the people driving the rental market and who will continue to drive the rental market for the next five to ten years. Um, it's a dream building for them because it's really it's in the coolest neighborhood downtown in King West. It potentially is going to have the coolest grocery store in uh, a Whole Foods. And it's potentially going to have, a, you know, the coolest hotel in whatever this four-star boutique hotel uh, brand uh, that comes into the building. And it's also very affordable. Um, you know, I, I look at the prices there. If you'd like to receive them, just send me an email, andrew at truecondos.com. Uh, but you look at the prices there. I mean, they're, they're just extremely affordable units, one bedrooms, plenty of one bedrooms priced under 300000 for something of this quality this type of a building in this neighborhood it's just fantastic opportunity um so anyways enough about minto west side if you uh if you would like to leave me a review for the show i'd greatly appreciate it just head on over to itunes and leave a review always appreciate it and thank you very much for listening hope you enjoy the show as always if you have any suggestions for uh, or ideas for the show Feel free also to drop me a line. Andrew at truecondos.com is my email once again. Until next time, have a great week. Bye. Thanks for listening to the True Condos Podcast. Remember, your positive reviews make a big difference to the show. To learn more about condo investing, become a True Condos subscriber by visiting truecondos.com.